What up, what up, what up, y'all? How's it hanging? How have you been? Have you fucking missed me? I am back, bitches. Um, if I sound like I should be reading a smut book, then that's because my voice is gone. It's like that super sexy raspy. So maybe if you like slow it down a little bit, it can sound super sexy. But right now it just sounds fucking annoying to me. So sorry about it, but that's how my voice is. It is what it is. I turned up too much on my book retreat. Um, over the pe- over the weekend, that's why there wasn't an episode last week is... I went on a book retreat, so I held the first ever Smutcation, which was my book club within my boot camp. Um, We all got, 14 of us got together in Asheville, North Carolina, and y'all, when I tell you, it was the best time I've ever had. Like, it's insane to me how People that literally you've never met in real fucking life can become your best fucking friends. And you meet and it's literally like y'all are, it's just the best time ever. It was the first time all of us have pretty much met except one. I met one of them previously, but all the other ones I had never met before in real life. We all came from different states. So we represented 13 different states and we had the best time talking about smutty books, all of this stuff. I am planning one for the Be That Bitch book club. Um, So I'm really fucking excited about that because we're going to take over a beach somewhere and it's going to be sunshine, booze, and smut. I can't fucking wait about it. But when I tell y'all this was the best one, we literally got matching tattoos. Yes, we all got a book tattoo was it the craziest thing I've ever fucking done yes what did the tattoo artist say y'all ask oh let me let you know when we walked in there and we were like can we get a group tattoo and he was like okay how many of y'all we said 11 he said 11 yes 11 of us and we made an appointment we went back they're like oh so how long have y'all we were like we just met two days ago (laughs) if I could have I would have paid if somebody would have took a picture of his face when we said we met two days ago. It was the fucking funniest thing ever. Um, but it was literally the best. So uh, we all sport this beautiful book on either our ankle or our arm. Someone has it on their ash cheek. But it was really fun to be able to remember the first ever Smutcation. We did a smutty relay where we did like different smutty games. So one was like... I hope you guys follow me on Instagram and you looked at it, but one was like where you tie pantyhose around your waist and you put ball in the pantyhose. So it's like a ball sack and you got to knock over the water bottles. One was where you have a hot dog on a string and it's tied around your waist. and You got to get the, the wiener in the hole <laughs> and you can't have a strong pullout game for that one. And then another one was where, um, you got to hip thrust a ball into a cup. It was just so much fucking fun. So that is why we didn't have a podcast episode last week. So I am so sorry, but I did make it worth the wait because when I tell y'all the podcast episode y'all are about to hear is probably going to be one of my top three podcast episodes I have done so far this year. I am not lying. It's an interview with somebody from Instagram. She actually reached out to me and she also has a podcast. So I'll share that with y'all because I got interviewed on it. Um, But her handle, I want to make sure I get all of that information is Washington underscore. And she is the founder of like squats and margaritas or something like that I don't know Instagram's fucking changed yeah squats underscore and underscore margaritas um it was the best we literally talked about all things nutrition body image everything so y'all are gonna really really enjoy it so I made it worth the wait but that is why we didn't have an episode last week but y'all two weeks February 22nd, this podcast, this little baby podcast will be a year old. So I have got to get a good idea for a one year anniversary episode. So if you have any ideas of what the big one year anniversary episode should be, shoot me over DM at Allie Griffith. I am looking for ideas because it's got to be perfection. It's got to be epic because y'all, this baby podcast that I created just for shits and giggles is about to be a year old. It's insane. I can't believe y'all have fucking stuck with me this long. Um, you must really love me. Like this, is this, is this friends? Are we friends? I'm pretty sure we're friends. Um, which I mean, fuck it. We have to be friends because if you put up with this shit that you deserve a crown. Um, okay. Let's talk about the book of the week. 
which it's been two weeks. So I don't really know the last book I chose. Probably should have looked that up, but I will let you know my favorite one. So I got a arc, which if you don't know what an arc is, it's an advanced reader copy of the book Powerless by Elsie Silver. And when I tell y'all, I am not a big fan of Friends to Lover. Just don't really like a Friends to Lover. They're too mushy gushy nice. Like it's just too nice. And you know me, I don't really like nice. But this book was so good. I have never read a series where I've rated every single book a 15 out of 10. But Flawless, Heartless, and Now Powerless, all 15 out of 10s. Um, so this is like super, he's very sweet. They're best friends. She was going to marry somebody because that's what her parents wanted. She at the end, last minute found out that he cheated on her. So she was like, fuck no, I'm not marrying you. Get the fuck away from me. So then he, her best friend, helped her run away from the wedding, essentially, right? Like was like, all right, girl, I got you. We're getting you out of here. Um, so Sloan is like really dealt with a lot of that, but she is always, 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 always loved Jasper. But Jasper always just saw her as like little sister type, like little friend. Um, and so it's kind of like them all trying to work through those feelings. And then they go on a road trip together and shit starts changing. So it's not the spiciest book ever, but it's just so sweet. And I did not see, you guys ever know where it's like somebody on the streets is way different than they are in the sheets. He is the definition of somebody that's different on the streets than in the sheets. If you get what I'm saying, you get what I'm saying. So definitely read that. It comes out on the 10th. So it will be releasing Friday. So make sure that you read that book. Another one that I am loving right now or did love is Don't You Dare by C.E. Ricky. I swear to God, I feel like I talk about her books all the fucking time, but her books are so good. And this one was no different. Every single one of her books that I've written, or I've written, fuck. Every single one of her books that I've read have been just perfection. All 15 out of 10s. This one is no different. She only writes MM, so it's an MM book, a male male. Um, But literally that all starts with a dare to kiss his best friend and then he realized that he liked it a little more than he should have because he's always thought he was straight so he kind of sends him on here and then his best friend's like well if you're going to experiment with this with anybody it's going to be me and so it begins it's another friends to lover ah I'm trying to think which one I like more don't you dare or powerless and it's really hard to say which one's better because they're both different this one is very spicy very very spicy so if you're looking for more spice I would definitely recommend don't you dare um the other one is more like wholesome and cute this one's definitely not that so anyways those are the two top choices definitely read both of them you cannot go wrong um Honestly, you can't go wrong with any of the books. And if you do love my book suggestions, you can always join the don't uh, the Be That Bitch book club. Um, and we have like a group chat and all the things. It's so much fucking fun over there. So if you want more information on that, of course, check the show notes. But anyways, okay, I'm going to go ahead and end this longer than life introduction so you guys can get into the meat and taters of the podcast episode with my interview with... Aaron Washington, AKA Squats and Margaritas. Okay, so I'm really excited to have you here. For those of you them that don't know you, do you wanna do, I always like to do the quick introduction at the beginning because a lot of the time at the end of the podcast, people are like ready to boot, scoot and boogie and they ain't paying attention. So uh, who are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Erin Washington. I was born. No, I am a mom of two. I also live in Georgia. What? Not like a professional voice. We don't do professional over here. Just whatever. I am a mom of two like you who lives in Georgia. And I grew up basically my story of struggle. I grew up completely obsessed with soccer and it was my value and it was my worth and my identity. I trained like a psychopath um, all year round and ended up starting varsity in high school as a freshman. And we had a great team. I was back-to-back captain my junior and senior year. We were back-to-back state champions. Then I went to college and it was like my dream. I was finally, I had a division one scholarship and I was never used to coming off the field. So I go to college and 
I wasn't really seeing the field anymore. So I kind of on a whim in the middle of my sophomore year decided to quit and cause it wasn't fair. And in that moment, the only value and identity I ever self saw for myself was gone. So I fell into deep seated depression. Um, I started gaining a ton of weight because I just immediately in the middle of the season stopped our strength and conditioning program and was just still eating normally. So initially, uh, to lose the weight, I found bulimia, which spoiler alert did not make me thin. Um, I did that same. Me- that was like me with cheerleading, like my entire identity. And then I quit to get a job and you yep. go through like such a freaking identity crisis at a young age, because like now all you have is this time. And it's like, now what? I'm not a cheerleader anymore. Now what? If that's all you saw yourself as, and you've had success with something and then it's gone. It's like, we both are raising daughters. Like I, you have to make sure they're not putting everything into whatever it is, their sport. There has to be something else so that if for some reason that's not there anymore, you still have value as a person. And I struggled for 10 years after soccer. It was like, everything went down. I had no self-worth. I got into a horrible relationship in college. I knew he was cheating on me, still stayed with him for a year and a half because he was important in quotes. And it made me feel validated and like important people like me. Um, and then I kind of, I met my husband, uh, and I got, I stopped with the bulimia, but I got into what I thought I was supposed to do to stay in shape, which was barely eat anything and work out seven days a week. And when I was living that way, I hated my life. I lived in a constant state of stress. Like we would go out to eat and I'd be pulling up the menu to make sure there was a salad I would eat. We would go on vacation and I'm like, does the hotel have a gym? Just constant state of stress. And I weighed 20 pounds heavier when I was living that way. So when I finally figured out that squats and margaritas, a lifestyle that I live now, balance, work out a few days a week, listen to your body, eat when you're hungry, stop when you're satisfied, nothing is off limits. Um, I can have a cocktail. I found my best physical body and I wrote a book about it. So let's talk about that real quick. Cause there had to have been a middle ground between complete. Cause I did the same thing. Like I lived a super restrictive lifestyle where, you know, I thought I was doing everything I was supposed to. I was going to the gym twice a week like or twice a day. I was eating very restrictively because that's what everybody tells you as a woman, like the calories in versus calories out, the less calories you eat, the more you lose, the healthier you're going to be yada, yada, yada. Carbs are the devil. So what was, was there like an in-between or was there like an epiphany where you went from really restrictive, like hating life to now, you know, living your super balanced lifestyle? It's a fabulous question. Um, a trainer at my gym was like, you're so frustrated. And I'm like, yeah, I don't eat anything. And I work out every day and I can't lose weight. And he was like, well, yeah, he goes, you just have to eat more. And I'm like, okay, I have to eat more to lose weight. Like he's talking to somebody that at one point in my life, I wouldn't eat carrots because they were a starchy carbohydrate. And he's telling me to eat more. Like my mind would not, I was like, there's no way, but he was like, you are over exercising and under eating. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this on my podcast. Your body is holding on to every calorie you're eating, just trying to keep you alive. Like burning fat is the last thing that your body is going to do because it knows it's like this bitch is about to work out again. And she only ate a salad. So it's like, oh, we got to hold on to everything. When you can get your body back to trusting you, you're not going to do a third workout. You're going to fuel it again. It kind of just gets back into the groove. Your metabolism turns back on and it starts burning and life is easier. When you listen to your hunger cues, you eat when you're hungry I say, stop when you're satisfied, not full, just taking that second. Like, am I eating just because there's more food on the plate? Um, or am I hungry? And if you're hungry, by all means keep eating. But if you're just eating because there's more left, it's like, eat that later. You know, like I just started being more intuitive and with bulimia, like, I mean, I didn't even know what that was. I was eating to the point of, I would just like black out and eat all the things. And until I physically threw it up. So to learn to just listen to my body, also the other hunger cue of hungry, it was almost like, this is going to sound so sick, but it was like a win if I was hungry, but I'm like, okay, I'm not going to eat. I'm going to save my calories to the end of the day. Oh my gosh. 
You but know? it's like my, I hate that fucking thought. Like anytime somebody's like, and, and I'll hear it now, like, oh, it's Thanksgiving. I'm going to, yeah, your body does not know it's a fucking <laughs> holiday. Your body does not know that you're trying to save room. That's not how calories work. That's not how hunger no. works. You still need food at different times just because you've got a big meal coming because the thing is, you'll be so freaking hungry by the time you get to that meal you're looking forward to. You literally inhale it, overeat, don't enjoy it when you could have just ate a good breakfast, a good lunch, and then thoroughly enjoyed that meal and stopped whenever you were full rather than being a ravenish freaking glutton for all the food and just shoveling it in. Oh, not like saving your calories for a big meal is the worst thing you could do. It's like, you have to eat normally. Like it's just any other meal. You try everything. I always say like fish taco story that comes out on every show that I do what I do now. And compared to what I used to do, this is the best example I get. I truly Allie, order what I want on the menu. Like I don't look at calories or whatever. Cause that like fucks up my head. I don't want to go back to the counting calories, but I order what I want. And then I order it as it's prepared fish tacos with all the things, avocado. I mean, guacamole, sour cream, cheese, all the things. They give you like four, three or four. So I eat one exactly how it's prepared. And I check in rarely will I be satisfied. So I eat another one and that's it. I'm good. I don't feel deprived because I got fish tacos 10 years ago. I would have said fish tacos, but no cheese, sour cream on the side, no guacamole, uh, no tortilla. Like you're eat, or if I got a tortilla, I'm eating a piece of fish in a tortilla. I would eat all of them because I would justify like, oh, it's fat free. So I'm eating more calories. I'm still leaving the restaurant deprived because I got fish in a tortilla. And it was like, I, I, I ate more than I would have if I just got what I wanted. And it's almost like you're satisfying your brain when you order what you want and you get what you want. You don't even eat that much. Mm -hmm. And I do the same thing in the morning. I need something sweet with my coffee. So I'll eat like sometimes like half of a cookie. I don't even need more than that because I got an actual cookie. Whereas 10 years ago, Aaron would have bought a box of high protein, low sugar bullshit and ate the whole box because they were high protein and low sugar. Again, you feel deprived because you got, you ate cardboard. And now I just eat like half of a little cookie. I'm not deprived and I ate less calories. It's like, if you just listen to your body, you don't even need that much. And then if you're lifting, which is the next component that I had that changed my life, you're going to be hungry in an hour anyway, because that also increases your metabolism. So it's like, eat a little bit, finish it in a couple hours. You don't have to eat it all in one sitting. You'll enjoy life more. You'll stop living with that constant state of stress that comes with calorie counting and like meal times. I don't know if this is, I was very into like, no, it's not time for lunch. Like my body's hungry, but I'm like, it's not time. I eat, it's not lunchtime yet. Or if I ate breakfast an hour later, I'd be hungry. I'm like, I'm not going to eat another breakfast today. I eat another breakfast. Like it's not so much of like rules. Like I eat when I'm hungry, stop when I'm satisfied. So the big, so coming from somebody who literally has never been able to listen to a body, that sounds amazing, right? It sounds great. It sounds fantastic that you're able to do that. But like me and my thought process of then I'd be like, I don't fucking know what I like, what I feel like, what full, like full feels like and stuff like that. And so, you know, it can be really intimidating when you've been looking at all these rules and weight loss is black and white, you know, like you're either doing it or you ain't, you're following this or you're not to then now say, okay, throw the rule book out and just listen to your body. I'd be like, my fucking body doesn't know what it needs. It doesn't know anything. And because I've never listened to it. So like, did you have a process? Because I love how you can go to a restaurant and do that. That was something I never was able to do. So I had to set, so like, I had to set like, not restrictions, but a routine. So like, Mm -hmm. I always made sure I would order what I wanted, but I would always make sure I ordered a vegetable or I'd always make sure I I made it well balanced and I would start with the vegetable. So I would always make sure I ordered a side salad, ate it first. So then I, because I'm a chronic fast eater. So uh, another thing you say, you know, like you, you sit and evaluate my brain doesn't know that my brain knows I'm a mom of two kids and my kids literally on the verge of a meltdown. So I need to shovel this in as fast as possible, or it's not going to be able to be eaten. Right. So my thing is all of that sounds great, but how did 
did you start? Like, as you said, you also didn't really know how to listen to your body at the beginning with bulimia and all that stuff. So how did you bridge the gap from restrictive following diets, all this stuff to now the, the Holy grail of being able to listen to your body and do whatever the fuck you want. And it, it is the Holy grail. And first of all, you need to have more guests because you are fabulous. Another fabulous question. Yes. There was an in-between time. And first, yes, I had to trust because I tried every fad diet and nothing worked. This guy saying, eat more and eat all the time. And I'm like, I can't, cause you don't trust that you're going to be able to stop. And again, I used to throw up. I was food terrified out. to eat more calories. Literally I was when somebody too. told me you've got to eat 2,100 calories. I was like, you want me to gain all this fucking weight that I just work so hard on. And that's a lot of my clients too. They think the more they eat now, I'm just trying to undo all of the hard work they're doing. It's really hard when you've got diet mentality to then switch from like, okay, it's not eat less, it's eat more and get more results. It sounds blasphemy. Like it just sounds fucking stupid. Because it's not what we've been taught for our whole lives. It's like eat less and it's calories in versus calories out. I didn't trust it. And honestly, we should say like, when you first up your calories, if you have been in starvation mode, like obviously not intentionally, it could go up. And the same thing if you do something yourself. restrictive like keto or something like that's yes. what a lot of people do. Like if you can't, I always say, if you can't picture yourself eating the way you're eating for the rest of your life, eventually it's going to go up. Yes. This is sustainable the way that I eat now, but I did not get to it. Like the, I started eating more often. Like I'm talking like every two hours, but I ate really, I hate the word clean. Like I ate super healthy, but more. And so start it. That's not as scary. It's like, if you add brown rice and grilled chicken and vegetables. Like think of that, just eat more and just see you start feeling hungry again. Your body starts to trust you. And then once your metabolism kind of picks back up and you see that it's okay to eat more, add something in, I guess I should say my husband's like too, you say you eat whatever you want. And I do, but it's like in my head, I do what you said. I will add a vegetable or something. Like I will get the shrimp tacos, but maybe get a salad with a dressing on the side instead of fries or I would leave a bun off a sandwich because I want fries or I I love if there's sweet potato fries, I'm getting sweet potato fries. So I'll make an allowance somewhere else during the day. It's balance. Like if I, it's not saving your calories, but it's like, if I know I'm going to have a margarita with dinner, I'm not going to have a beer at happy hour. It's just little swaps that, like you said, things that are worth it. It's not worth for me to have the beer. The margarita is worth it. Or it's like that cookie in the morning that I have with my coffee is worth it to me every single morning. So if I go, if I would had gone to work that day and somebody has birthday cake, that's, I'm not going to have it. It's just like, you learn to just make these swaps and it's like, you never don't have what is the thing that you want. Like for me, the non-negotiable, like that margarita or a glass of wine. And I have it every day. One. And I can, we will get there. We need to get into drinking, but when it's not off limits, it makes it almost like neutral. It, it's like, it's wine. And before I would say, I'm not drinking all week. Saturday is going to be my drinking night. And then I'm going to drink all the wine and then you're hungover. And it's like, I don't overdo it now because it's just a part of my life. Take it off the pedestal. If you're making something off limits, it just makes it more enticing. That's why I hate the idea of good foods versus bad foods. I always tell my girls, I'm like, there's either foods that are good for you or good for your soul. There's no good foods or bad foods, either good for you or good for your soul. That me- that takes away the idea of like, if you're eating something and it's not good for your soul that you're really excited for, why the fuck are you eating it? Right? Yeah. Like if, if it doesn't provide you nutrients, like you're going through McDonald's with your kids and you're getting a burger just out of convenience. Is that good for your soul? No, I don't really like it. Then why are you exactly. putting it in your body? Right. Exactly. It kind of retakes that control. And the way that you started, like, I love that you said, you know, clean, it was something yeah. that. So for me, that was the same way when I was trying to start eating more food, I would eat more food without labels because I couldn't see the labels. So like, I I didn't know how many calories were in grapes. I didn't know how many calories were in a banana because I wasn't tracking it because they told me not to do that. So I made sure I was eating more foods without labels. So I couldn't look and turn it over and say, oh my God, it's got 300 calories. Oh my God. And start freaking the fuck out. But I just had a handful of grapes, had a handful of bananas, had these vegetables. Like I was Stop trying calculating. Yes. I was trying to eat Just more foods that I couldn't calculate yes. so that I couldn't stress about it. And that was like the safest way for me to make sure I was consuming more calories without trying to like sabotage myself with getting in my head. 
Do, so, do you get triggered now that like everywhere you go, the menu has the calories right next to it? Like, I don't want to see that. And I know that it helps other people, but it makes me like, if I want this salad and then I see it's a thousand calories, I'm in my head. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want to look at it. And some people, I get it. Somebody that I had on my show was like, I, I love it. Cause if it says it's a thousand calories and I'll be like, I'll take off this, this, and this. And I'm like, but then I'm going back to that bland salad with the dressing on the side and you're leaving deprived. I would say, get the salad, eat maybe half of it, take it home. But I see that number or smoothies. And then it's like 800 calories next to it. And then I'm like, oh, maybe I should, I start second guessing myself because the calories are right there. And I understand that it helps some people, but somebody that had a disordered eating pass that is finally not doing that anymore to have it right in your face is so triggering. I have, I have not counted a single calorie in at least five years. I have not. How do you a, not see it? So I personally, I see it, but I don't stress it. Like, I just don't, yeah. I know as somebody, cause I run a lot, like I don't know how many calories I eat, but I know I eat a fuck ton of calories. <laughs> like last time I attempted to calculate it so I could give people an idea. It's anywhere between 2,500 to 3,000 calories that I eat in a given day because mm -hmm. of all the cardio I do with training. Um, and so when I see it, I'm just like, I, I know I need a lot of calories. So that's the way my brain works, but yeah. I do make healthier swaps. So like if I see a salad, I know that that's already taking into account the dressing. And I know that they usually drown the son of a bitch in dressing. So I always get my dressing on the side because yes. I'm a I'm like, I like my dressing with each bot. So I like dip my fork in same. and I already know I'm not consuming that many calories. So it doesn't stress me out. Yes, um, and so I always look at it as like information, but don't let it like, I'm just like, okay, that's good information. I it, it can allow me to make a swap if I need to. But at the end of the day, I'm like, meh, like I need a lot of calories. So I just like to remind myself that. And I tell everybody, I'm like, dude, it's, it's there but don't let it stress you out. Like if you know you're eating something that's worth it, it's got nutrients in it. Your body needs all those calories. Not every calories could cre create it equal. Of course, if it's got avocado in it, it's going to be higher in calories, but your body needs those healthy fats. Exactly. So you just know, as long as you're putting nutrients in your body, that's all that matters. And then it comes down to like exercise bulimia, which I struggled with for a long time. Like you're calculating calories and then making sure you work off that same, same amount of calories. Oh my and gosh. I, I remember going to the gym and not leaving until I would lose like 500 calories. Yes. And I would literally be on the treadmill until it, it hit 500 on my like little watch that I had back then. It was so bad. Allie, our life is the same. I did the same. I would write it on little note cards, like tally up. Uh, it, apple 80, all the things I ate. And then I would go on this elliptical and I would work off the same amount of calories. Now that is being like, very type a obsessive, like OCD exercise bulimia. Oh, that was me form. with that app. What, what is it? The my fitness pal, my fitness pal, literally I would add all my food in there and then the I macros. would see how many calories. And then I would go to the gym twice in one day to yes. be able to lose all those calories. So that is obviously exercise bulimia, but another form of it is when you are, if you are working out that had to undo food, like, uh, which I think a lot of women do, they, they work out to, well, I had, I, I had a, I had pasta last night. I'm going to the gym. Like you shouldn't be working out to undo what you ate. That is basically exercise bulimia. Like you may not be calculating it perfectly, but it's like, I have to work out today because if you look at it like that, that's the stress that you live in. Like you should work out because you feel amazing. Like I strength train to get tone and strong. I run or walk for the mental. Cause like, there's nothing better. I run because it's bad. <laughs> It's legal. Not killing your husband's not legal. Just kidding. Totally kidding. Not it's really. free therapy to just go for a walk or a run. You come back, especially we're moms. Like you come back to your kids more like centered and with them and locked in mentally like that. That's a benefit from exercise. You should just feel good to move your body. But if you are working out to undo food, you should look at that. Oh yeah. It's a, and that's one thing, like I always say, if you're focusing, if you're working out, focusing on what you can lose, you're never going to figure out what you could gain out of it. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you're always focusing on losing, losing, losing in the negatives, you're never going to see the positives out of it. Right. And then you're never going to stay consistent. When I was exercising just 
to like lose something or because I hated myself, I never wanted to do it. But when I switched my mindset of like, this is a celebration for my body. This is showing my strength. This is giving me, I was focusing on all the ways I could gain out of this lifestyle. It made me that much more consistent. And so I'm like, you know, that's why a lot of people fail is because they're so focused on the negatives. They're so focused on what they can lose that they fucking miss out on what they can gain out of this and all that. So you were, I've never heard of exercise bulimia. I, I didn't know that's essentially what I was doing. I always thought bulimia is like, if you're throwing up, but I didn't, I never put the correlation of like, you're doing it to Cancel essentially out. lose, throw up all of your food, but yep. doing it through your sweat glands versus your actual throwing up. That's I would, I would to the point of like, I would cancel out for the day. I would try to work out everything. I like, if you think about it now, if it actually worked, I would have died because I would never have any nutrients. I would have worked out. It does it. It's just a mental, it's a mind fuck that all day you're calculating. It's like, no, I ate the, I didn't tally it. Like I was obsessed. And you just kind of said this too, when I was working out to lose weight and to get in shape, I never found my physical ideal. I found my physical ideal at 37 by taking care of my body, by listening to my hunger cues. When I wasn't even trying as hard when I, all I did was try to get a physical ideal. I was 20 pounds heavier. What's a physical ideal? My, uh, the ideal figure that I've never had all day. I would be like, I, well, it's changed. That's a great, I, that's a great question. Cause the aesthetic, when I was bulimic and anorexic, I wanted to be stick thin and thin was I, I'm 41. So when, as I grew up, that was like the, what everybody wanted to the be. thigh gap. I remember walking the around, thigh gap. like I remember waddling, walking around with my legs super far out to make it look like I had a thigh gap. I probably looked like such a fucking idiot. <laughs> I was probably right behind you <laughs> doing the same little waddle. Now it has changed. And my ideal is strong. Like I want muscular legs tone in my biceps. So and that's one thing, like the fact that it, it can change means that like, it's all bullshit. Like what you want to look like is this is the, this is the way to look, but now it's actually having a big butt, which I'm in the gym and I'm hip thrusting and I'm squatting, just trying to grow my butt. And my butt isn't bigger, big enough now when before it was like, I didn't want to have a butt at all. I wanted to be straight up and down, but I finally been in my ideal physical body, which is strong. And I have muscle tone, not abusing it. Like just listening, eating more, eating when I'm hungry, stopping when I'm satisfied, uh, lifting. I don't know if you get pushback from women, like female clients that are like, no, I don't want to get bulky. And everybody pictures the big man lady. You don't have fucking testosterone. You're not going to get bulky. I had somebody on my show last night. He's like, do you see the men in the gym that are like, just trying and trying to build muscle and they can't. And he's like, they have five times as much, like you're not going to do that. And if you have this picture of that lady, she's like on something like that's not going to happen. You're not going to bulk. You're going to tone, especially if you lift heavy and you are going to turn on your resting metabolism. I feel like I eat so much more because my muscle, the more muscle I put on my body, I'm hungry all the time. And the muscle burns it. I'm Women, always hungry. I feel like don't shy away from your weights. Yes, you can run too, but like, don't feel like the men are in the weight room. I did for so long. I was like, no, the women just sweat on the cardio machines. And I didn't have any muscle tone. Again, if that's your ideal, your physique, if you want muscle, you have to lift and you have to lift heavy. Like I lift heavy and I'm, it, that was also scary because I didn't want to be bulky. It's not going to happen. So, yeah. And I, I, so I don't focus on ideal physical because like you said, it can that. change so easily. Yes. So like something I focus on is like ideal mental. Cause my, my thought process is you like, you work on changing all the up shit in your head. The outside will take care of itself because your ideal self, like the way you look will change so much. Yes. And it's kind of like the, the way you perceive yourself is almost like, um, the, like, Funhouse mirrors. Do you guys, you yes. know what I'm talking about? Those funhouse yes. mirrors. Like, <laughs> yes. have you ever noticed once you start working out and you're like three days into your workout and you're feeling the endorphins, you're feeling really proud of yourself, you're going, you already look in the mirror and you're like, I already feel so much better. I do. It's because of that pride you're feeling. And so if you work on fixing all of that stuff in your head, it's almost like putting yourself into a funhouse mirror and all you see is like you're amazing. Like you love yourself and all of this stuff because you've really worked on that 
positive mindset in your head, that positive outlook. And so that's why I live by that. I'm like, you can't be focusing on your outer aesthetics as much because the more you focus on that, the more likely you are to give up because you're always focusing on the things you hate about yourself rather celebrating the things you love about yourself. And for me, I was the same way as you. My ideal outside has changed so much. And Mm -hmm. if I was constantly waiting on to like feel pride for my outside, then I would literally always be just like going for something because I feel like there's always something if you're work so focused on yeah, your outer aesthetic, there's always something that you're not happy with. And I mean, yeah. I'm still like way over what the doctor says, like considering the doctor, I am still considered morbidly obese at 200 pounds because I'm five, six. Right. And I always lived by the ideal that I'll be happy when I'll be happy when I'm stronger. I'll be happy when I lose weight. I'll be happy when I have a thigh gap. I'll be happy when I hit wonderland, which is like, you know, the one hundreds, I'll be happy when all these things. And when I lost the idea of I'll be happy when, and I allowed myself to be happy now, because when might never come, I realized that all that shit didn't really fucking matter to me. Like, it just yes. didn't matter. So frustrating. And you were making me, I want to change the way I say that. Cause you're exactly right. It's not a physical ideal. Truly. You made me think I, don't I have never, you, your truth is different than my, no, truth. I've never felt, but the way you're, I've never felt physically happy in my body until 37. When I finally got everything to get, like, I never, even when I was anorexic and what I wanted my ideal. And I was super, like super thin to the point where like my high school coach was like, your crosses aren't strong anymore. You need to eat. I, I was thin, but I was, wasn't happy in my physical body until 37. So it's not, I guess I, it's not about achieving a physical ideal, but being physically happy with the body that you have. I did not find that until 37 and truly for 20 years from 16 to 36, I was, I had no self-worth, no confidence. I, my husband is a, was a pro bowl linebacker in the NFL. And we started dating when he was still playing and it's like, we would be having a great like night out. And then as soon as somebody would spot him, usually like another woman, it did not matter what he said to me the rest of the night. I would be in my head. Like he's probably wants to be with these girls. Like they're thinner, they're prettier. And they would walk away and I'm like, I'm out, I'm done. I'm back. I'm in my head. Like I had no worth. And it was all about like my body image. And when I just kind of let go of it, one of the outcomes of that was that I found a, a physical body that I was looking for, but yes, it starts you have to like love the person that you are inside. Exactly. And- the more you yes. do things out of love, the more you do things when you're focusing on what you can gain, the more you do things focusing on that inner, you gain more confidence. And then all around, you realize the other stuff just doesn't matter and you feel so much more content. That's why when somebody is doing something and they feel so confident, they can literally feel like a different person in one week because they are instilling that belief in themselves, right? Belief breeds confidence. Confidence transforms who you are because it transforms your perspective on yourself. And whether you lose weight or not, it's fucking irrelevant because you just feel so much better about yourself. And like you said, whenever you turn 37, you really focused on just giving yourself love and, you know, allowing yourself and focusing on your better self, you were so much more happier. That's something that I did with the second I ditched the scale, the second I stopped measuring, like I haven't measured, weighed myself in over two years. I haven't stepped on one and it allowed me to force myself to look other areas for like results and other areas for proof that what I'm doing is actually getting me where I'm supposed to be going. And that's something that a lot of people don't do is they don't force themselves to look at all the other ways that you can measure success. Like, you know, your weights or your runs or your libido, like how your relationship (laughs) with your husband, if you're feeling like you want to be sexually active, right. Or you're just the way your clothes fit. Like there's so many other ways to measure that success and to find love for yourself than freaking number that no one knows about. And that's what I say in my book too, is like, you are letting a number that no one knows except you determine your day. And it would literally, it was a shitty day. If I went up even an ounce, an ounce. And if I lost, cause I was like, how did I gain? I gained. If I lost, I was like all smiles. Nobody knew. No one knew I lost. I'm the only and you literally don't look different from 0.2 pounds. It's mental. I know it. I girl 20 years. I struggled 20 Yes. Oh, that's the same way as me. Like I was trying so hard to get under 
200 pounds. And like, what I, what did I expect? Like I would get to 199 and it just be like the fucking sky open up the rainbows are singing. It's going to be like, Oh, hallelujah. Then what happened happen? next day when I start my period and I go up a pound, it's going to fucking rain and I'm going to, the gates to hell are going to open. Like, is that really what I was expecting? Like, it's yes. not a fucking light switch. You don't just flick it on and everything is good. I always say you're trained, like, your results and your determination. It's not like a light switch. It's like a dimmer. It just like you twist and you twist and you twist until eventually it all turns on. Like you can't just flip it. And what you're striving for, you made me think of Instagram, like what this other person has on Instagram. It's the same thing. Like the next day she starts her period or it's like angles. It's like how she's standing. Don't compare yourself. Don't believe anything on social media. It's all. I will share something that I will never say who it was. But I was on a plane and I was behind a reality star and she was, this was years ago. I'm sure it's Facetune, but at the time I didn't know what app she had, but she had a picture of herself in a bathing suit. And this was a thin, thin woman, like alarm, not alarmingly, like model type body. I watched her kind of blow up her leg, her arm. And just shave off a little bit underneath the arm, a little bit off the thigh. And I'm like looking through the seat. So she thinks like nobody's watching what she's doing. And I'm like, oh my God, she's going to post it. And I'm like, what am I even watching? She posted it. And there's two problems here. Like, obviously the first problem is that there's going to be a 15 year old girl thinking if I can just starve myself a little bit more, I can get that. Look what she has. That's not real. She doesn't even have it. And the saddest part that I see that thick, thick thick, thin lady was not even confident posting a picture of her own body without shaving off part of her arms and legs, like on both sides of someone who receives that picture or took it. How sad is that? Like she felt, I know this is not good enough to post. I'm going to make myself thinner. And then some girl is going to starve herself to because this is a possible thing, which, and it isn't a possible thing. And it pissed me off to watch it. And I will never forget watching well, that's that. Literally like even Instagram stories. Now they have filters that edit your face and all this stuff. And so it's like, I take everything on social media with a grain of salt. Like even me, when I, when I slap a preset onto my photos, y'all, I'm not that tan. It looks, <laughs> You're makes not? me look a lot tanner than I am. I am a pasty <laughs> son of a bitch right now. Catch me, catch me in five months though. Catch me in five months. I won't. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Like it's all fake. It's all just an illusion. Even like, even if somebody's taking a mirror selfie, the mirror could be acting an illusion. So don't let anything you see on social media, change your perspective on yourself or the way you feel about yourself. Because at the end of the day, y'all everything's fake. Even if they're not trying for it to be fake, it can still be fake. Like there's mirrors in my, my, uh, workout room right now and they're like the door mirrors from uh like walmart (laughs) and they literally make you look smaller than what you are so like you can (laughs) i will literally take a selfie in those mirrors and then i could take a selfie just in a regular mirror and they look two completely different things it's not me trying to deceive people it's literally marketing tactics from these people with the mirrors and stuff like that so just that's like (laughs) everything i need you to be a part of my foundation i don't know if you even know about it I started a foundation called Blue Butterfly. Um, it's a very long story, but a blue butterfly was straight stalking me for weeks. Every day it would come to my front. I'm not, I, I need to send you the video because you're laughing. It sounds ridiculous. It would come to my front door every day and it's like just hanging out. It didn't fly away. And I was like, what the hell does this mean? And I just had it in my mind. And then I was on a business call with my business coach talking about my nonprofit. And I was like, Blue Butterfly, that's the name of it. So I started a nonprofit for teen girls who are struggling with body image and self-worth. And it's exactly what you're saying. Nobody tells them that everything is fake. Nobody tells them that the girl that's bullying you is just maybe more insecure than you are. And no one says it out loud. No one realizes They're just projecting their insecurities on you. And you don't realize this until you're like, like your thirties. So you, there are young girls and like, I struggled in my teens and twenties thinking that they're not good enough. And that they like all these other girls are so confident. I am going to start doing retreats where women who have been through the things of like eating disorders or whatever it's been to come back and share their story. So these teen girls can be like, Oh, and be like, this is just a season. It's a hard time. And nobody told me 
that this was like, I was throwing up my food, trying to like, you know, I just, I had no confidence. Everyone feels that way. And there's like girls that are like ending their lives because they think that they're, they don't look the right way. And it's like, when is somebody going to tell these girls we've all like Katie Couric did my show and she talked about her bulimia. And I was like, you, I need women that are in the public eye that these girls know to come in Kenya Moore, real housewives of Atlanta to come in and be like, same. I went through that too. And look at me now, like, it's fine. It's just, it, this too shall pass. Nobody tells you when you're a teenager that when you get like in your late twenties or thirties, you're going to be like, oh, it's all bullshit. And you're going to really find your confidence and you're not the only one feeling this way. So I would love for you to be a part of Blue Butterfly. If we ever do like an Atlanta chapter, you can come and speak. Yes, a hundred percent. I love that because, you know, I, I cheered all throughout high school. So I started in middle school and high school and I've always been the bigger one. So like, I remember my freshman year going to the cheerleading squad and we rented the uniforms. Like they, they provided them and none of the uniforms fit me. There was one uniform that would fit me and it was three sizes too big. So I had to pay to get alterations. And I literally just remember always feeling like the, the, the designated ugly fat friend, the duff. Like I used to always joke and say, I'm the duff of the bunch. And I would literally, I feel like, and it took up until, I want to say until like my mid to late twenties, which I'm in my late twenties now, but like my mid twenties for me to realize that I had a coping mechanism of trying to be like the most outgoing, the most fun, the most loudest, the most like whatever to try to shield myself from all of the shit. I was like, if I give them something to talk about and I'm like the craziest and the most outgoing and, and, you know, I really put myself out there. They're not going to realize all these insecurities that they're poking at or actually, and that it, it worked. But then it made me have identity crisis. Like I always grew up thinking, oh, I'm this extroverted person. Like I, I, I thrive on all of this tension. Like I need it. You know, if I'm just the craziest, they're never going to pick on who I am as a person on my outside. Cause they're just always going to have some shit to talk about and giving them to talk about. Yeah. And then I, I had this like epiphany. He's like, I am not this person. Yeah. I prefer to stay at home all week. Like I'm just not this person. And then I realize it's a coping mechanism. And I think that's something a lot of kids do is they create these coping mechanisms that they then shield for their identity. So then they find themselves in identity crisis because they've been pretending to be this person that they're not trying to not have the bullies and stuff like that. So they give them something to talk about versus of what they're actually insecure about. But it's just insane. Like all the shows nowadays, like I was I watching too hot to handle on Netflix and I'm like, no f-ing wonder <laughs> everyone feels like you don't see dating sites with a, a curvier woman, right? You don't no. see the bachelor with a plus size person. Like you don't see this. So you always feel like there's something broken with you and there's nothing yes. broken with you. It's society that's broken. Yes. It's not you. Oh my gosh. That's exactly what, but yes, exactly. And it's like, as much as I struggle, I used to throw up my food. And like I said, I wouldn't eat carrots at one point because it was a starchy carbohydrate and there was no social media alley. Like my poor girl and our girls, they are not going to know a world without social media. And when you were saying like the cheerleading uniform, my I'm five ten and my husband is six, four, our seven-year-old is like, she's as tall as the teacher. And I mean, head and shoulders above her, the other girls. And we're in ballet. And they wheel in these costumes and they're like, it's like Cinderella. Everybody pick one out. And I'm outside. There's like a mirror, but I can like see through. And she's like looking and I'm like, there's no way. And so we, I got in there and I was like, we're going to get you in this one. And I, I mean, I'm sure every, we got her in it, but I mean, the biggest one they had, she's so tall. I mean, it was like up her butt, this tiny little tooth and she was, it's like hurting her, but they had nothing to fit any one that wasn't that like the sample size. And that's a them problem. It's not an us problem. I know, but she doesn't know that. I know. And and that's why it's our job as their mamas to show, tell them and to show them that this does not mean you are broken. Cause I spent my entire fucking life feeling like I was the problem. If I was just smaller, if I was this, I could wear Hollister. I could wear Abercrombie. I could be all this. It's not them. It was always me until I realized that it is not me. I am not the problem. They are the problem because they automatically feel like, and that is why to this day, now that I'm a size 10, I will not shop at some fucking stores. I am a vengeful bitch. I hold 
a lot of resentment towards these stores. So like those small boutiques that I prayed, I just want to lose enough weight so I could fit in them. I won't step foot in them. You will not get my money because if you did not want me, I always tell everybody, I'm like, if you don't want me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. If you didn't want me at my biggest, if I wasn't worthy enough to fit your clothes at my biggest, then why the fuck would I give you my business now? Because that's basically me now condoning that behavior. And that's why the whole Sheen thing, everybody was giving Sheen so much shit because it's from China and all of these things. Don't even get me started on it. I could literally go on a fucking rant, but it's like, okay, give us more options for bigger women that are, because we don't want to wear fucking Lane Bryant and look like our six-year-old grandma. We want to be in fashionable clothes. Even though we're in bigger bodies, we're still confident as fuck. So we want to wear a crop top. And it's American. Right. Oh like God. that's what Chloe, Chloe oh did God, good I'm American, so right? Cause that's good. American is everybody like she, Chloe's Kardashian saw that. It was like, no, this is bullshit. And she makes cute stuff that fits everyone. Okay. But she still charges a premium for it. And that's the that shit. That is that a also very good point because it's the a- brands that will carry bigger clothes, they charge extra for the bigger sizes or they charge a premium because, oh, I'm saying I'm all inclusive. So I'm going to charge more for it just because of it. No, I didn't fuck know that. that. That's why I, love I, didn't it. Know- I thought it was expensive because it's like a Kardashian line. No, I literally, if you look at all of the inclusive or if you look at Tord or Lamb Bryant, they literally charge you three times as much because you can only shop there. So they can charge more now because you don't have many options. So you'll pay for it because you don't have many options. That's why I love Old Navy and I will wear Old Navy till the day I die because their size two is the exact same cost as their size 20 and they are affordable and stylish because they're exact same. That is why I like, and that's why I love Sheen so much. They'll carry the plus size stuff, very fashionable, affordable, because there was a time where all I wanted was to be able to wear trendy clothes and beautiful clothes, but they never came in my size. And if they did, they charged me three times as much, something I couldn't afford. And it's like I'm being punished for the size of my body. And that's fucked up. Um, you know, who you Sorry, to clearly to? I get very heated. No, do you follow Ella Halikas? Oh, you need to follow her. Um, she, she was just in sports illustrated, uh, swimsuit last year and she will go on and call stuff out like that. Like something happened to her at a club. They like let her friends in and they were like, not tonight. And she's like, what do you mean? Not tonight. And she like, I saw it, that on a TikTok. That's Ella. So Ella Halikas, um, she's a model. She's gorgeous. She's, um, she's-, she's Hispanic, right? Um, I think she's Greek. Okay. I, yes, I saw a TikTok of her. She, and she, it went viral. She was like, why, why nine not tonight? And they, he wouldn't say it, but he was just kind of like looking at her and she was like, this is bullshit. So she calls out stuff like that. She's gorgeous. She's confident. She's in sports illustrated swimsuit. I feel like you and her would have a fire conversation. All of but these yeah, things. I didn't even know that. I feel so uninformed. Like, well, like, and it's, it's not, it's not a you thing. You're just, it's, and that's one thing. It's like, you don't know what you don't know. And if you've always, even if you've struggled with eating disorders and stuff like that, that's one thing, like somebody will look at me and say, okay, so she's always struggled with her weight or, and somebody will look at you who's smaller and say, oh, like she doesn't know. She doesn't understand. It's always been easier for her. everybody makes their own yeah. fucking generalized assumptions. And they True. don't know that, you know, I could be literally the healthiest person on the entire planet and still be in a bigger body and they think I am like this disgusting pig that doesn't do anything you could literally be the help like the most unhealthiest person smoking a pack a day drinking a six pack a day and they think you're the healthiest person because you're in a small body everybody makes these generalized assumptions but it's like nobody knows what they don't know and if you've never been in a bigger body you don't know the struggles of those that have always like I have always the lowest number I can physically remember be in my britches is a size 10. Like that's the lowest. And now I'm a size 12 and the size 10 was freshman year of high school. I don't remember ever being under a size 10 ever. And so I've always, and then I went up to a size 20. And once you hit like two, like this discrimination is just, it's unreal. It makes me like them sizest pigs. That's what I call them. Yes. I don't. Yeah. And that's like, as much as I struggle, I can't relate to that. So it's like, everybody has their own struggle. And like, there, there's always like a worse situation. I would, I mean, now I sound like I, like I was prom queen and homecoming queen and like, Oh, my eating disorders. Like, but 
But that doesn't, Nobody. just because somebody's trust struggle is different than yours, that doesn't diminish yours. I think that's so many, everybody's over here in a dick measuring contest saying, oh, mine's bigger than yours and yours is right. bigger than Everything mine. Like relative to what you want. But I'm yes. saying like, I was, nobody knew what was really going on. Like, I felt like I had to uphold this image and I'm throwing up my food and like, you could think I had it all together and I was thin, but what was happening to me and what my mental health and a lot of people are really good at deflecting. Yes. You have no idea. And if like anybody that's like calling it out, it's like, it's their own, you're triggering something else. Like I always, people come at me. Is that a man? If there's a picture of my legs, because they're super muscular. And I used to be like, that was mean. And it was like, bother me all day. And then I had a girl on, she's like, are you trying to be muscular? Are you trying to be strong and build muscle? And I'm like, yeah, she's like, then that awesome. shouldn't bother you. She's like, they're, then I'm like, yeah, but it's like, they're just saying it to fuck with me to be like, that's a, you're a man. But I'm like, maybe this woman is trying to build muscle and she can't. So she's throwing rocks at me because any confident woman would never have the thought to be like, I'm going to get this girl. Why would you ever say something negative to another woman? Unless you felt something within yourself. So you have to think like, the person that is saying these critiques are like, hurting way more than you feel bad for that. Yeah. You're like, Oh, they really must be. Cause no content person would ever take the time to be like, what am I going to say to this other one? I get so much shit talked about me on the internet. And I'm like, their lives must really fucking suck for them to spend time bashing me. Therapy. You are so self-aware for late twenties. Like you are very, like, I didn't realize all this stuff. Like, Oh my God, I'm projecting this. Or I was, it was a coping mechanism until like 10 years from like where you're at. Like you're very self-aware. I have never, so I've never done therapy, but I've done a lot of like personal development, a lot of self-help books, but also I've, you know, been doing social media for five years. Like it's been my full-time job for five years. So it's made me become like, ask those questions and really dig deep into me. And it's been a messy road to get where I am. I think a lot of people uh, like you see somebody on social media and you don't see their mess. Like you don't see, like, I was really good at putting up the filter and like deflecting and acting like I was good. And then behind the scenes, I was struggling and you don't see like all the shit that goes back behind building who they are there. That's why I'm like, you can't compare yourself to who's you see on social media because you didn't see them during their messy period. And like, if you're not willing to do that messy part, then you don't deserve to be where they're at right now. And that's why it's like, a lot of people are like, I just wish I would have this. I wish I had that. Well, if you're not willing to go through the shit that they did to get it, then you don't expect it, you know? But no, I've never, I've never done therapy. Um, I've just, you know, I've done a lot of, I used to call them walk and talks and I would do like, um, personal therapy sessions with myself. And this is like something a lot of people don't do. And it's people probably thought I was crazy, but when I was doing 75 hard, anytime I was struggling with something mentally, I would get my voice recorder out and I would literally walk and just record myself talking through the shit that's going on in my head. It's kind of like journaling, but I don't like writing things and I'm at it. So I would literally sit there and have like a personal therapy session with myself, just talking myself through it. I would never listen to it. I would never do any of that, but it helped me get through my thoughts and find solutions and like stop and like take a step back. And that was like the best thing for my mental health. I have like hundreds of voice recordings of me just talking through my bullshit. And you don't Um, listen to them? No, I've never just, listened to You just to got it out. Yeah, it just I just like got it. Like, and that's the big thing. It's like, sometimes I let things fester up so much to the point where I would explode on my husband or my kids or something yes. like that. So yes. this was a good way for me to get all my feelings out. I didn't have to like justify my feelings. I didn't have to like try to, you know, worry if I'm offending somebody. I just was able to talk like no without filter. fear, without yeah. anything. Like I swear if somebody got a hold of those recordings, they would sell big on the fucking black market because they're probably awful. But it was a good, safe place for me to, and yes. I guess that's what people go to therapy for, right? They go to therapy to have a safe place where they know that that shit's not going to go leaked anywhere. They know they're not going to get judged. They just get to get it out. And I guess I just did that by myself. But even in therapy, I feel like you have like a slight filter. Cause you're like talking to another person. I mean, to just talk to yourself, there's no, like it is raw. And like you're, you're like saying- outside, <laughs> nobody's there. You're walking. Yeah. Like, literally there's no one around you. So <laughs> you don't give two fucks. I <laughs> love this. Yeah. What a great takeaway. Walk and talks. <laughs> you were, should uh, trademark that. 
<laughs> um, okay. So you mentioned, I want to end with this because you mentioned your book a few times. And so I want to dig a little into that. I feel like that's a good place to end it because everybody's always looking for books, especially when they're working through their mental stuff with nutrition and stuff like that. But so yeah. many of the books out there are so geared towards clean eating or, you know, working on keto or anything like that. And your book sounds so different. So I'd love for you to like dive into that a little bit. Yes. So my first book was called Squats and Margaritas, A Journey to Finding Balance. And it's basically my story, my struggle, that trainer telling me to do a different way, like how basically I shared the beginning to show that I get it. And like, I, I didn't trust the process either. You know, the half, half of it is my story. And then it was like exactly what I did to get to the shape that I was finally looking for. And it was the opposite. It was eating more. It was lifting instead of just doing cardio, not over-exercising. And I, I was writing, I thought is like my, I, I got to change the way I say it. You're making it not my physical ideal. I was in my best body and I felt happy physically, but I put my book out January of 2020, um, when you were very pregnant and then we all know what happened in the world shutdown. So the, my new book is called from pain to purpose, finding meaning in the mess. And it's everything that happened after that. Um, we didn't even get into that, but this show during the pandemic, I just very candidly, well, I'll start, I started out on Instagram, like we don't need the gyms. Gyms are closed. Pick up your bottled waters and squat them or put your toddler on your back and knock out these things. And I'm like motivator of moms. And like, we got this. And then like three months in, I broke and I went on Instagram live and was like, what in hell am I supposed to do with a two and a four-year-old when there's no playgrounds and there's no school? Like, what is everybody doing? And moms would come on and be like scavenger hunt. Uh, tell them to find a pine cone, tell them to find a stop sign, uh, pro tip, put something on there. They're never going to find like a cow and then like send them out. And I'm like, yes, this is great. Next week for a cocktail, we're going to share best practices for momming in a pandemic. And I was doing it every week. And then I was like, let me ask other mom bloggers to go live with me. And like, some of them had a million followers. Then I was like, let me ask a couple real housewives to go live with me. And they said, yes. And we, I made it like a talk show. And I'd like find myself preparing to like ask these women questions. Unbeknownst to me, there was a program director in Washington, DC at the biggest radio station there that was watching me every week. And she called me and gave me a show and they sent me the equipment. And she's like, you do what you're doing. Keep interviewing moms, talk about the things we'll put it on the airways. And I've been doing this for two and a half years. And then I am a hustler. And I started interviewing some like bigger celebrity, like Teddy Mellencamp, Katie Couric. I have like the, all these Melissa Joan Hart, these women that like I have stayed in touch with. And I'm like, what can I do with this group of women that like, I, I came up with the mentorship. Like I was like, if these women could share their stories who all candidly shared on my uh, show, either it was bulimia um, stuff with like abuse, body image, basically anything a teen girl could be going through. I want to have someone in blue butterfly that is going to be able to speak to that and share their story. And it was such like a scary ask, like, but every single one of them, I'm like, I have this uh, foundation for teen girls struggling. They're like, whatever you need, here's my cell. And I was like, this is my purpose. So from pain to purpose is my story of my depression, my eating disorders, everything I came through to be able to have the platform I have today to motivate and inspire other women, especially moms. to like, not even just getting in shape, but to find their purpose and being a mom is great, but I feel like you're not allowed to say out loud that like, Maybe you feel a little itchy, like there's something else. Being, so your say, being a mom is your role. It shouldn't be your identity. It's one of the many roles that you play. Exactly. So I, my thing is now like put yourself out into the universe authentically as yourself and watch for the guidance. When I went live on Instagram, I got my show. Then I have this network of women. I knew I wanted to help teen girls. And I, as I told you before, this blue butterfly was freaking stalking me every day. Blue butterfly coming to my doorstep. So I, um, told my business coach, I want to start a nonprofit. Let's call it blue butterfly. Allie, I never saw it again. Like it was literally like it, that was it. I got the message. It was gone. So now I speak like all over the country. I share my story and I'm like, you just have to look for the butterflies. You make your mess, your message, make your pain, your purpose. And maybe what you went through was to get you to exactly what you're supposed to be doing now. Nothing was an accident. Um, like my horrible relationship in college made me leave Ohio and end up in DC where I met my husband. The pandemic sucked, but without it, I wouldn't have gone live. I wouldn't have the show that I have today. You know, I wouldn't, it, everything that I went through had purpose and every woman can find their purpose. And that book comes out in March. I don't know when this will air, 
Um, but it's basically like a second edition. It's the beginning, the squats and margaritas journey, but like so much happened after that book came out that I had to finish the story. I love that. And I love that you, you just so eloquently put it because I have realized everything, you know, in the moment you're like, why the fuck is this happening to me? Why me? Why me? And then once you get out of it, you could be like, I'm grateful that happened because like, I, there is not a time that I am not like that I've gone through something very painful. Then on the other end, I can now see the purpose of it. Why it happened. Like going through postpartum depression, I felt like, why me? Why me? Why is God doing this to me? And then on the other side, I realized I had to be broken down to then have the courage to do something I never would have. Yes. Then laid the pathway. Like if I did not go through that, I wouldn't be who I am today. So I always say, I'm like, just keep fighting through it because eventually at the other end, you will know the purpose. There is yes. purpose in the pain. And I freaking love that. Is there a release date in March? Yet? Um, It's going to be the first week of March. Um, I'm speaking in DC on March 8th and I hope to have the books there. So I'm, I, it should be released probably March 1st. Amazon, it's, I'm it's, assuming it's Amazon. It's basically when I hit the button is released, but I actually, I hired a publicist and we're doing like a book release. So my fingers on the trigger, but you made me think too. Rejection is just redirection. You have to think about that too. Like something you wanted so badly and you didn't get it. You have to think about it like, oh, okay. Because there's something else. And maybe if you had got that thing, this next bigger thing would be coming and you couldn't do it because you got the thing you thought you were supposed to have. You have to look at rejection as redirection. Mm -hmm. There is a plan. And even if you thought that's what you wanted, there's a reason you didn't get it. And maybe something bigger is right behind it. You have to look at things that way. Oh, for sure. There's always, it's always, that's why I'm like, change your perspective, change your outlook, change your life. Like Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not changing your body or changing you. It's literally change your perspective, change your life. Like that's all it takes. And you're a shining example of that and looking at everything as an opportunity versus an obstacle. I feel like that's the best. It's not a, it's not a brick wall. It's just a hurdle, a hurdle you have to jump over and you get to figure it out. And it's awesome that you took something as awful as the pandemic and turned it into something so beautiful as the foundation and, and all of that stuff. That's just like, you really are a hustler. I am like deathly afraid of asking. That's probably why I've never had a like guest on here because I'm like, I don't want to talk to people. I'll have to teach you the way, like if there's somebody you really want to talk to, you just, I mean, Katie Couric took a year and you have to be very strategic because like bigger, I mean, celebrities obviously, or like bigger Instagram accounts, they have gatekeepers. So it's like, if you message them, they're not going to see it because they have a million followers and you have like the different message box where they're not even seen. You, You have to somehow get seen like tag them in a story or something. So you can move over to the primary where they actually see your messages And then you got to just watch them when they do lives or something like Katie Crick kept saying, Adriana, Adriana. And I'm like, I went to Instagram. She follows one Adriana. She's 25 and lives in uh, Manhattan. I'm like publicist or agent, like, or uh, like assistant. So I went to her and they're like, we're dying that you made that connection. Like, so I got in and then I kept, I stayed on them. And then with 24 hours notice, and I had to listen to her book on audio on like, you know, how you can make it like three times fast, make it read fast. Cause they were like, you're up We're um, she's going to be in Atlanta tomorrow. She wants to invite you to her show. And can you do the interview live on Instagram? And I'm like, yeah, of course. Love, At that point you can't say no, you can't no, say, I was no. like, of course. And then I'm like listening to the book and, but we went there. I, it was a great episode because when her book came out, everybody was talking about Matt Lauer because she like went there about him. No one was asking her about her bulimia. And that's what I heard. And I was like, you talked about this in college, like it was so candid. And so I'm the only one that talked to her about that. So it's like, if you have a a unique thing you want to talk to them about that they haven't really done press about, and you just have to be strategic when they're on a live or they're on a story and they're saying Chelsea Handler, she said her assistant the other day. And I'm, I obviously would like, she would be an amazing guest for me, but I, it's been three years. I can't get to her. And I finally heard her say his name and I found him on Instagram. And then he only has like 300 followers. So he's more likely to see the DM. So there's like, there's strategy. Dude, (laughs) you are a hustler. I'm over here like, okay. um, You don't need it. You already built something. It would, it would be nice if no, like I'm sure my, my people get tired of fucking hearing me talk all the time. So it's going to be nice. (laughs) 
Look what you have built. I am in awe. Your mompreneur goals. And I, it was an honor to be on your podcast. Well, I really appreciate it. Um, thank you so much for coming. I know you got a boot scoot and buggy to go get your little one. So I'm going to let you go. Um, again, I really appreciate you. And if y'all want to follow her, make sure you check out her book. I'll put all of the info in the show notes. Alrighty, y'all. Well, I really hope you enjoyed that podcast episode. Again, I'll add everything in the show notes, her book, her Instagram handle, the Be That Bitch podcast, everything. Um, And I'm going to leave you like I leave you every single time in a world full of bitches. Be that bitch. I love y'all and I'll see you next week.